Welcome to Reading the OT Leaves, an ITS Partners podcast all about operational technology. Let's get sipping on the topic of OT. Here are your hosts, Fritz Byam and Josh Bernson. Hi, Josh, and welcome back to the Reading the OT Leaves podcast. Hi, Fritz. Sounds like we have some interesting topics today. Yeah, we do. And, um, you know, last time we referred to that we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, incident and change for OT. It seems like kind of mundane topics, Josh. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. I'm just going to throw out a statistic here, a very vague statistic, and then you can help me validate that. Uh, In the IT world, um, incidents make up a pretty significant amount of the time of support and management. But the reality is that, that the majority of incidents for almost every organization are actually due to improper changes. Uh, In other words, most incidents are self-inflicted. And so while it might seem mundane, at least in the IT world, it's a big chunk of money and lost trust. Wait, wait a minute. So, so you're saying that the things that we're intentionally doing are self-inflicting downtime on our IT network. And we, Absolutely. can we quantify like how much? So it's, it's, it varies a bit from industry to industry, but the majority of organizations report that over half of the time they spend on incidents is due to self-inflicted improper changes. So what? how do you think a plant manager is going to react to that when we're talking about operational technology? Well, I would expect that the cost of the business would be a lot higher uh, than even it is in IT. And there's probably a lot of stress involved in self-inflicted problems. And boy, as we think about this and we look at, if we look at OT change management or IT change management versus OT change management. I think, I think as we peel back the onion here, we're going to find that OT change management is actually a lot more complicated, involves a lot more people than even IT change management. So maybe that potential is even worse. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so let's take a minute and, and throw in some definitions. I'll throw in a few definitions where these are coming from the IT world. And then you can help me understand how these are similar or different in the OT world. Then we'll talk about what we can do to fix it. So we'll start with an incident. Um, and I'm going to use all of the ITIL definitions. So IT infrastructure library, pretty much a universal standard in, in the IT world these days and used by other groups that relate to IT as well. So an incident is a single unplanned event that causes a service disruption. So Or downtime. Or downtime. Yep. Um, and we're used to these happening all the time. Uh, anytime something is broken or not operating the way we expect it to, and it prevents us, an individual, from doing their their, their daily activities, uh, that is usually considered an incident. Um, we have a process to manage incidents called incident management, and the most important component of incident management is the quick restoration of service. So yeah. that's mean MTTR, mean time to remediate. Correct. Mean time to remediate is a very standard method to measure how successful we are at incident management. But keep in mind, incident management is solely focused on getting us back up and running quickly. It isn't so as focused on what caused the problem. That is a totally separate thing. But what we're going to talk about here is usually the cause is a bad change. Yeah. And in manufacturing, we would go into the five whys or 
you know, do a Ishikawa diagram to actually get to the root different cause of the problem. Yep. Yes. And, and a I, different process. Exactly. Yep. And that's just for those who are probably throwing up their hands. Why aren't you talking about this? That is you know, in the IT world referred to as problem management. And it is something that uh, we use to, in some cases, bridge incident to change. It's mostly meant to look for root causes. Um, so let's talk about a change then for a minute. A change, again, we're using the ITIL language here is the addition, modification, or removal of any authorized, planned, or supported service or service component that can have an effect on IT services. So like in our discussion, the relevancy to that, so certainly certainly in manufacturing, we have change processes all the time. I mean, for safety reasons alone, like we change a pump, there's a change process. But in, in the OT connected asset world, that could be changing a board, changing a PLC, or I think how most people would think of that, it's around patching a machine for a vulnerability, right? That's very common. Yes, exactly. And, and one of the challenges that we run into in change management is differentiating between a planned change and an unplanned change, which is often called an emergency change. There's a lot of situations where something needs to be dealt with right now. And this is true in the OT space, it's true in the IT space. The impact is different though. And I think it's going to be important to go into that. But an emergency change is something that we can't go through the normal life cycle. That normal life cycle might be documenting the change plan, uh, reviewing it with the board to make sure everybody understands the impact, then implementing it and testing it, verifying it, and then documenting the, the results. That process for many organizations is a week to two weeks long. And that's fine for plan changes that you know are upcoming and you know what the level of effort is. And that's fine in manufacturing when we can apply that change during a maintenance window. However, there are lots of situations in the real world where we can't wait that long. It might be as simple as that vulnerability patch for a critical vulnerability that needs to go out to a large set of the organization, or a system is down and we have to bring it back up, uh, and a change is required to do that. So one of the other things, and, and we'll get into this a little bit, but one of the other things is differentiating between emergency change and an incident. Because again, the purpose of these is very different, but the act of an emergency change can often look like an incident in the IT world. And I'm curious, Fritz, from your experience in the OT space, in the manufacturing space, how does the plant floor differentiate between an emergency change and an incident? Well, I think in most cases, a lot of organizations aren't doing a very good yeah. job of that in the first place, right? I mean, that's why kind of OT has come to the forefront about what's going on. Um, I think from a from a from a, a a production manager's or plant manager's perspective, anything anything that that shuts that line down is going to be considered an incident, right? And um, an emergency change is more like a, a remediation to get things going again. Okay, right. So it, that and and maybe different organizations, depending on their maturity, look at that differently. But that's kind of how that's kind of how I would view it. Yeah, a big a big difference, um, uh, kind of globally, is how we track them. So, in theory, an incident because it's a single unplanned event and its impact is generally small. It's it's it might be a very big impact, but to a very small group of people, a single person, for example, it's important that we track it. But the tracking of that incident is generally not going to impact a lot of other people. We track it for historical purposes for trending purposes to find out if that mean time to remediate is the stand, if we're hitting the numbers we want so that we can look for problem. Problems can use incident data to decide if it, we're seeing a pattern. But outside of that, the tracking isn't going to impact the rest of the organization. 
Whereas the tracking for a change, whether it's a planned or unplanned change, is critical because not only might we have audit requirements around that change, but we also need to inform the support team of the change so that they know what to do with it. Yes. So let's take a step back here. Thank you for the definitions. Uh, You know, very helpful. Let's just, can we just talk for a minute like that? I'm still kind of reeling from the idea that we're going to go do plan changes on my plant floor and it's going to create incidents. So could we just, could we just back up to plan changes? And for the purpose of this discussion, let's talk about patches because it's a, you know, it's a, again, we can focus the conversation then. Sure. So let's talk about a couple of hypothetical situations. I think that will help. So first of all, let's talk about a very well executed planned change. And then we'll talk about a not so well executed plan change. And then we'll talk about an emergency change. Yeah. And I'll try to, I'll try, you know, you know, in IT, it's so easy. You just have to go, right. Can you imagine that saying a patch in IT is easy? I think what we're going to find out as I'm just starting to think through this, even just the scheduling portion of, of a patch in OT, I think the complexity is just going to ramp up. So this is going to be a good discussion. Correct. Correct. So, um, and, and we can, we don't even have to, think about this from the OT perspective. We can think about it from any piece of anything on the manufacturing floor that needs it. So give me an idea and I'll walk you through the scenario. Give me an idea of something that you did fairly regularly, not necessarily something that would happen in every maintenance cycle, but some some um, service that had some flexibility to it, uh, but you uh, would a- were able to do it during a maintenance window in most cases. Okay. So, um, and it's not, it's not vulnerability related, but um, say that we we were looking at the, um, we'd replaced a manacle, uh, mechanical drive with servo motors, right? Okay. And so, and it was on a pretty complex system of actually feed screws combining bottles from multiple lanes into a single lane. And it constantly, I mean, there was torque settings in case it, it jammed that we would, we'd record like what was going on in the line. And then during a maintenance window, we tried to get into the, we'd get into those drives and we'd adjust the torque setting or the ramp setting or their braking or their phase adjustment, all those things. Okay, perfect. So, and the reason why I didn't want it to be entirely typical is that we do have the concept in a in change management of a standard change of something that we we know exactly what the process is, how we test it, how we validate it. And that, and we can talk about that if we want to, but I want to go to what we refer to as a normal change, which is um, a change in which there is some risk to, to the, the, what we're doing. So the torque settings, you're, you're, you have to validate those torque settings every time because you're effectively adjusting based on the wear of the system and its behavior. So it isn't completely predictable, but in a, in a very well executed plan change, you would have, uh, you would have documented the procedure you're going to take. Uh, you would have documented the schedule that you're going to take and you would document the testing and val- validation and backout procedures. Yes, because there's, there's also a safety issue to that torque thing. So if someone gets their hand in those screws, I mean, you want it to be, you want the the torque setting to be high enough to convey the bottles and do the work, but not high enough that it's going to break somebody's arm. Yep, exactly. And so you're going to document all of this, and then you're going to sit down with some equivalent to a change board, a group of people who can evaluate it, not just the change itself, not just to make sure that everything was is proper in the change, although that's an important part, but also what other interconnected systems could be impacted by this? For example, another group might be in, might be conducting another change on the same system. Yeah, or actually doing maintenance on the line while it's yeah. down, which is why it's down in the first place. Exactly. 
So we sit with the board and we review our change versus the other changes. People get an opportunity to voice their concerns that could alter the plans. And then once the plans are locked in, we execute them on schedule. We record the results. We, we validate, we test validate, we record the results, and then we return those results back. That way, the next, the next um, team that comes in to operate the line, if anything isn't behaving properly, they can link that back to the change and say, oh, okay, we just made this change. Maybe it didn't give us results we needed. And there's no mystery. There's no significant amount of research that has to happen to fix the issue. Um, we aren't creating an incident that's going to run for days trying to solve it. They'll know to immediately look back at the change. So that's a, a very well executed plan change. Even a perfect plan change can result in an incident, but we can solve them quickly. Right. And that's, so that's like, so I guess the question I have is, okay, and there's unknowns, like I get that. And in manufacturing, there's a lot. How do so many plan changes end up being downtime essentially? Yeah. So the, the first thing is when we don't execute them properly. So all of those steps I talked about take time and they take individuals work, work that they could be doing incidents and incidents. When we look at them are much easier to, to calculate. It's much easier to look at the value that we got from the, the time we put into the incident. It's much harder in a change to calculate the value. In fact, a common, uh, a common adage is the best changes are never noticed. And so the better we do our changes, the harder it is to show the value of the changes. And so it's very common in many organizations to shortcut things. Um, as you get better and better at change, you start doing less work on the change and you get worse at them. And you get this cycle of getting good and bad and good and bad. So when we're in the downside of that cycle and when we are not putting all the effort in, we might miss steps. We might not have the proper test and validation plan because we're pretty confident. We think we know how to do it. We don't document it well. And then the person who executes it doesn't follow all the steps. Or we might not sit down with the change board. We might assume, hey, the last three times we did this, no one had any issue. Let's just go for it. And it turns out that another an issue. Yeah. Well, you could have another another portion of that um, of that manufacturing system is going to have direct impact and you have no idea that it's being worked on that day. So so I get the IT thing, it's 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 pretty clear. You know, the OT patch is, I think. I think there's a lot more ancillary groups involved. Like you mentioned a couple, we mentioned sa the safety department might be involved. Um, you know, they might actually have to do some, you know, safety acceptance testing or an audit when it's done. Definitely the maintenance team is going to be involved. Uh, materials management might even be involved and scheduling is definitely involved. So I think, I think that starts to tell a compelling story why you kind of need service now at the center of this whole thing. You know, you think about it, Josh, most of these things in manufacturing, they're they're almost like mini projects. You know yes. what I mean? Like you got to have contingency planning. Like what if, what if, you know, what if that board we're upgrading fails and we got to replace it? We, you know, we probably want to have another one on hand. What if, you know, even, even to the extent like, well, what do we do that board when we take it out? How do we keep track of that asset and that sort of thing? So I think that's where ServiceNow can really start to make a big impact on making these changes I would never say a change is going to be easy, but maybe manageable is the term we're looking for well, yeah, here. Yeah, I think the most important thing is that we have a process that everybody understands and can follow. It's not just in people's heads. It's not just on paper. It's a workflow that moves us from step to step to step. And then we have an easy way to associate the results of that so that anybody, when an incident does occur, that the people who are responsible for it can know what happened. They can look at the change schedule. And the nice thing with ServiceNow is it does all this. It's done 
all of this pretty much from the beginning. Um, we have interconnected incident and change and even problem management if we're mature enough to use it, uh, as well as connection to the hardware assets so that we can log all of this in one continuous path and the interconnectedness is pre-built. So what about, uh, what can we say about emergency changes? I think that's something in, in an operational environment that's probably um, probably an, an, an important element is, so if uh, a question, if, if a connected asset fails, right? Uh, a board fails or something, that's a, that would be an incident, right? Yes, it's usually reported that the issue that's seen is usually treated as an incident because we have that single unplanned event and we need to deal with it. But the impact of fixing it isn't going to impact just that one. It's not a single person in a single laptop, for example, where the impact is limited to that person. We're, we're talking about the impact to the, the um, everything upstream and downstream from that particular issue. So it's important that we track it as a change so that we have all the context we would have, even if it was a plan change and had a whole week to work on it. So let's 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 talk about an emergency change. Let's say that let's say that an opera, operator identified some parameter of a connected asset on the line as a safety hazard. Okay, and so they take that to their supervisor, and and obviously safety being the top priority in manufacturing. You know what? We got to go. We got to go. We got to go fix that. And it's midnight, right? It's yeah. there's the the operations engineer, the safety manager's gone home for the day. So that would be an emergency change, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. When, when we need to go um, make a change to the system now uh, in, or at least as soon as possible um, in order to resolve an issue, an issue, an incident. Um, one, there's a couple of interesting points to emergency, emergency changes that will make them still very effective. One is that we essentially are still following the same process, just not necessarily in the same order and not with the same timings. So normally, again, we have to write all the, the process for the change and scheduling and then get it reviewed and approved by a board, then execute it, then validate it. Yeah, which is a, a big, pro a long-term a long, a long process. Yes, yes. What we usually do in emergency change is that we have an expedited change description. Um, so we very quickly write down what we're going to do we may have an emergency approver. So we may have a single individual always on call who can give us the approval to do the change, which in manufacturing would definitely be the case. Um, and then we execute and validate, but then we do the rest of it after the fact. So we come back and do the full documentation after. Once it's done and we're back up and operational, then we do the full documentation. And in some cases, that full documentation still needs to go to a board so that the board can understand what happened. The important part is that we have the history. We know yeah. what happened so that if that change does cause a new issue the next morning or two hours from when you're done, we can quickly go back and see exactly what was done instead of spending a ton of time troubleshooting to figure out why the plant is now non-operational or that, that line is yeah. non-operational. Helps you correlate the un, unintended consequences of your improvement. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So that, again, I can see... Um, you know, I, I think the use case for ServiceNow in that situation is pretty clear. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, if nothing else, I mean, okay, the single approver, maybe that's that, that maybe we can automate it, but just think about the, all the other people we need to communicate with when yes, we do that emergency exactly. change that are going to show up the next morning and, and, you know, really have no idea what went on in the middle of the night. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I would see, have even seen situations where 
the dashboards that are used by the uh, support teams have a list of the changes for the last 12 to 24 hours um, or scrolling at the top so they can always see them so they can always reference them. Right. All right. Well, Josh, this has been, uh, it's been an insightful session. Uh, you scared me when you started off saying that plan changes can cause 50, you know, 50% of incidents. I think, I think that's something for operations people to really consider as they look at maybe something that's a new workload in their, in their environment, right? Like there's, I think there's a lot of operations that haven't been patching. I mean, that's kind of given the rise to some of the OT tools. And as you really think about if, you know, it's, it's easy to see that exposed attack surface in OT and kind of have that, oh boy moment. We don't have the protections we have in some of the other areas, but I think there's also an oh boy moment when you start to figure out what's it really going to take to make change management and really keeping that operation secure. What's it going to take to make that manageable? And I think ServiceNow has got to be a big part of that discussion. Yes. Thanks a million, Josh. Absolutely. Yep. Happy, happy to have this conversation. It, it, as we said in the beginning, it it seems like a mundane topic, but it is critical to the successful operation of an organization.